Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. As a media person, I'm always looking for inspo for the show and also for other media to recommend to homies. I can't be out here tooting my own horn all the time. One publication that comes up a lot is The Tribe. If you're not already tapped in, you need to be. Here's their co-founder and publisher, Morgan Elise Johnson. The Tribe is a digital publication and production company that has a very specific mission to reshape the narrative of Black Chicago in pursuit of truth and liberation. Reshape the narrative of Black Chicago in pursuit of truth and liberation. The sheer audacity of that alone keeps me coming back. And they do this how? Well, for one, the tribe has been holding Chicago mayors to account, especially on issues like police accountability. And one story of theirs that went viral was one from about a month into the pandemic. A hundred or so people had a party on the west side of Chicago, despite stay-at-home orders. And the tribe's reporting showed that there was a disconnect between how the city communicated the seriousness of the virus versus how young Black residents were receiving that message, if they received it at all. Their work is powerful. The most recent example of that is the latest edition of their print magazine, The Tribe Guide. It's just another way for us to be able to connect to audiences. We understand that there are limitations to digital media. Print products are very difficult and expensive to produce, but they create this kind of unique connection to audience that digital media, we found, just does not do. Usually, Morgan says the tribe guide is a straight-up guide of places to go, things to get into, centering Black spaces in the city. But this one is their heritage edition, and it's structured as a timeline of key events in Chicago's Black and Indigenous histories. It's a reissue of their 2021 guide with new articles that illustrate where we've been, including Brandon Johnson being elected earlier this year, and where we're headed. It's the Black and Indigenous Chicago history book you wish you had in school, except it's a magazine, and it's gorgeous. We wanted to give especially those um, young readers, young organizers who have such a mission and a passion to reshape this world, a guide and some tools from our ancestors on how that's been done in the past. Today, I talked to Morgan about the guide and more about why she created the tribe in general. We started with the connection between the tribe's focus on Black liberation and the liberation of Indigenous people as well. I can't help but realize that juxtaposition of I'm reading about these Indigenous stories in a book called The Tribe Guide, tribe being Mm -hmm. a word I associate with Indigenous people and culture, And I wonder if you can talk about how you think about the community the tribe aims to build and report on, which is focused a lot on Black folks, in the context of those First Nations in Chicago. Ooh, that's a a heavy one. Um, (laughs) I was the person who named the tribe. And I named it the tribe in October 2016. 
at a time where our country was going through something politically that was so polarizing. I'm talking about the election of Donald Trump and mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton. And that name came to me as a word that felt powerful and unifying. Yes. Um, and I knew that that was the type of work that I wanted to engage in with this publication. Um, but we do absolutely acknowledge what that word means. You know, the tribe is not only a publication, but, you know, there's there's meaning to that word in terms of indigenous people. So whenever we do work, we try to acknowledge that group of people specifically. I think that it's a part of our duty to do that. So this book specifically starts with a land acknowledgement poem. And it's about just making that connection between Black and Indigenous struggles. Yes. Um, that is so important. As we talk about our mission being about Black liberation and pursuit of truth as well, I think it's so important to lean on the the stewards of the land. So we we just wouldn't want to use the name the tribe without acknowledging indigenous people. So we we engaged with them at the early development of this book Mm -hmm. and made sure that we had um, an indigenous consultant um, who was from actually um, the Potawatomi tribe. um, And he would confer with elders. And we also had a number of indigenous writers as well. One of them is Kelly Hayes. Kelly Hayes wrote the poem, We Are the Fire, for this book. It's one of my favorite pieces in this book. Um, But it's important for us to to do meaningful collaboration and connectivity between um, multiple groups and especially oppressed populations. We find that work to be very crucial to the tribe. The guide itself is is giving Green Book a little bit, which for those... um, who haven't been listening to the show and who don't know, was a historical um, guide to Black safe spaces and Black culture um, by Victor Hugo Green. Uh, That was a very brief nutshell description. Look into it if you don't know about it. Um, But yes, giving Green Book for Chicago specifically. And I'm wondering if that was inspiration at all. You know what? Not the Green Book particularly. Okay. Um, we didn't have that in mind when we were making the tribe guide, but in general, we do often say that we view ourselves as being a part of the legacy of Black liberatory press. And sometimes I know that our approach, it I'm just going to say it ruffles some feathers. We're very unapologetically Black about it. <laughs> You know, like and we're very much here for black liberation. So people look at us sometimes and they say, well, this is biased. Or, or, and we say we're actually challenging objectivity because default journalism is actually anti-black. Mm. Black people have to come into spaces and we have to take off our blackness in order to fit in. Mm. And the tribe is a place that is saying like, no. We reject all of that. Like, yes, my journalists, we have the training. We went to the institutions and we are actually very intentionally looking at journalism as an institution and saying what tools and instruction makes sense for us and what do we need to divest from? Yeah. And what do we need to learn from 
our ancestral tradition of being truth tellers. In a space where that is not always easy or accepted Mm -hmm. in the journalism field. So I do think we're operating in that tradition, but in this particular case of this book, we didn't we didn't have that in mind. But I I love that you brought that up. <laughs> I mean, as I was looking at the 2019 edition and then looking at this one, I was like, yeah, it it feels like a guide for safety, a guide for representation, like a guide for education and and history, and and that's what the Green Book embodies for me too. Um, so yeah. I want to look on the cover of the book for a moment. First of all, can you just describe it to me? What what are we seeing? Okay, we're seeing a little boy with the black national flag draped across him. Um, he's in a powerful stance. And there's colorful images of various iconography around him, microphones, trains, And also his ancestors are on the cover as well. And that is John and Mary Richardson Jones. Okay. And this young man who's on the cover here, his name is Cannon Purnell. Tell me about him. What is his story and how did he get on the cover of this of this publication? Um, So with this being a heritage edition, I really wanted to make a statement about lineage. One of my most personal internal missions is around genealogy. I am a Black American who doesn't know much about my ancestral lineage. I can't tell you the names of my great-great-grandparents. So I wanted to really find someone who can embody the rich cultural heritage of Chicago. So I thought, is there a through line in Chicago of Black lineage that I can learn about and ground this book in this history in. And I ended up learning about um, two Black abolitionists, John and Mary Richardson Jones, who aided with the Underground Railroad and grew to be um, political powerhouses here in Chicago well before the Great Migration. So this gave us an opportunity to tell that story and to say that this, their lineage is still alive. So they were one of the first families who we reached out to. Um, they currently live in Virginia, and they were so elated that someone still cared about their family yes. and the impact that they had on Chicago. So we have n- multiple stories about Cannon's ancestors, Um We flew down to Virginia to meet them, and we did this photo shoot of him, and he became our cover star. He is a star. I saw the YouTube video that you shot with him introducing himself as well. Um, It's really, really adorable. My name is Cannon, and my name starts with a K. And one of my favorite foods of all is pretty much cornbread. And I'm special because I do... What, 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 what I do right, and I'm working on being right. Adorable. Um, yeah, it's really nice <laughs> to meet him um, and, and kind of hear his story and, and hear the connection that he has to Chicago through his parents, grandparents, greats, and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. 
we're, we're talking about the feels of the cover and the pages and the actual content. There are six new articles in this reissue. Um, tell me about a couple of them that you got really excited about adding. Well, you know, we're in a new era with with Mayor Brandon Johnson. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to update our book with some stories to help to frame what his mayoralship really means in this moment. Um, He was a movement candidate. You know, he came from um, a coalition of a number of different organizations um, lifting him up. So we wanted to add some stories to this book to mark this moment and we'll see what future editions of the tribe guide um, have to say about this moment in time as well. But it's an opportunity for us to include some of our favorite coverage of the election because it was such a, a historic election in my viewpoint. Yeah, it was, it was a lot going on with that election. Um, Actually (laughs) the first tribe guide came out right after Mary Lori Lightfoot was elected. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, I, I'm curious. So it sounds like you did intentionally kind of publish this with the election of Brandon Johnson in mind. And I'm wondering what you think is the cultural significance of having these two back-to-back Black mayors of Chicago? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's not only about the mayors being Black. Mm-hmm. It's about you know, what do they stand for? Throughout history, I feel that mainstream media often mischaracterizes social movements, you know, like Martin Luther King in his time wasn't like this praised social figure. Mm. Um, when he was organizing, he people reported that he was an agitator. It wasn't a good thing if Martin Luther King was coming to your town because mm. there was going to be some kind of uprising or civil disobedience happening. Mm. So as a publication, we want to carve out space for social movements in ways that we feel like um, is not being done in mainstream media. And that's what makes this this book really unique. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can get into that a little bit, um, how the the people documenting these two respective um, campaigns really describe them as different. Um, well, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's election, I feel like really hinged on identity politics in a way that was dishonest. Um, there are a lot of people who were super excited about having a black gay woman mayor. But when we looked at what movement organizers were saying about her at the time, she was being heavily protested because she was connected to the police board, right? She was the police board president. So Mm -hmm. uh, we were a very young organization when she first got elected. I don't know that we really had our legs in that election, but looking at the framing of how movement organizers um, characterized her election, it was very different than what we saw in mainstream media. They did not advocate for her at that time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the policies that she was standing on at the time, like, for instance, I'm thinking of the police academy that had been introduced by Rahm Emanuel. She campaigned on um, reversing that decision. But once she got into office, she championed it. Mm. And during the re-election campaign, she opened the doors of the police academy um, during the the re-election campaign this year. 
And so I think that really shows that shift of like the narrative of Lori Life of being a progressive versus the reality. Mm-hmm. I think now we view her as more of like a neoliberal candidate. Um, and we see that Brandon Johnson at least is posturing to be to the left of her. Um, we have questions, you know, <laughs> like we're looking we're looking at how he's spending money on police and we're we're going to be watching how this plays out, especially with the DNC coming to Chicago. Like we're really interested in documenting how he really makes good on his promise of investing in people Mm. um, during this moment where Chicago is going to have so much visibility and going to be on the national stage. Well, I will be looking forward to the tribes and the tribe guides, the next tribe guides (laughs) coverage of all of that. Um, I learned so much from this book about the history of Chicago, about Black folks in Chicago, about Indigenous people in Chicago. Um, So kudos to you and your colleagues for for teaching me (laughs) that. And thank you. Um, I'm not a native Chicagoan, but I'm proud to be standing on the shoulders of all the Black and Indigenous folks featured in this book. And I'm wondering what you learned from putting this book together. Wow, thank you so much for asking that. I was just going to say, you're not the only one that learned things (laughs) from the Tribe Guide. This is history that is not taught in schools, right? Like, a lot of us learn about Black history for the first time in college. And think about all of the people who don't go to college or don't make it to college. Mm -hmm. Like, But for a lot of us, that was the first time where we were able to take a class that was maybe centering Black studies or centering movement work or centering Black history and film. So through this book, I would say most 90% of the articles in this book, I didn't know. I had no idea about Black communities in Chicago. I had no idea that there was another great fire. We only learned about that. Yeah. Yeah, we only learned about the one, you know, famous Chicago fire. But there was another great fire that um, burned down Black communities. So it's very important to, I think, learn our history. I think it teaches us so much about who we are as a people and and where we're going. Morgan Elise Johnson is the co-founder and publisher of The Tribe. Morgan, thank you. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to be here and share these stories. It was a pleasure. The newest edition of The Tribe Guide is available on The Tribe's website. That's the tribe with two eyes.com. It's also available at Haymarket Books. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Justin also engineered this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. Have you shared this podcast with your friends yet? Go ahead, click like first, and then click share. Send it to a homie. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.